This is now our third time to sit down in front of the life of King Joash and to learn uh, the lessons of that life. And uh, you might remind yourself of the storyline of his life by remembering that in King Joash's life there were really two peaks and two valleys, two peaks, two mountaintops in his life, and then two times of trouble, two valleys. Joash's life, of course, you remember, began in a valley. Uh, When he was one year old, his father, the king, died, and his grandmother, pagan Athaliah, decided that she wanted to usurp the throne of God's people to take the kingdom for herself. And we read over in 2 Chronicles 22 that the way she attempted to do that was by murder. Just look there with me at 2 Chronicles 22. 10 through 12. Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she rose and destroyed all the royal offspring of the house of Judah. Now, Joash should have been, of course, involved in that. He was one of them. But Jehoshabaoth, the king's daughter, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him from among the king's sons who were being put to death and placed him and his nurse in the bedroom. So Jehoshabaoth, the daughter of King Jehoram, the wife of Jehoiada the priest, for she was the sister of Ahaziah, hid him from Athaliah so that she would not put him to death. He was hidden with him in the house of God six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So, of course, there was a silver lining to all that went on in young Joash's life, but it was a deeply disturbing time in the nation and certainly for this young boy growing up without his parents, growing up in hiding, understanding perhaps or learning at some point that his grandmother was responsible for all the destruction that had come upon his family, a deep valley in which he began. And yet, at age seven... Uh, there was a great peak, a mountaintop in his life because Jehoiada the priest who had helped hide him for those six years uh, brought together a group of men and they arranged a coup in Jerusalem. Actually, it seemed as though it was a coup, but it wasn't a coup. They were putting the rightful king, young Joash, seven years old, on the throne. And we read about that in chapter 23. Particularly, you can see there, verse 3, Then all the assembly made a covenant with the king in the house of God. And Jehoiada said to them, Behold, the king's son shall reign as the Lord has spoken concerning the sons of David. And so Jehoiada put some key men in place and said, we're going to bring young Joash out of hiding. We're going to make him king. We're going to put the crown on his head. And they rid themselves of Athaliah and her murderous pagan reign once and for all. And so in many ways for Joash, this is a highlight experience in his life, a peak. And then at age 30 or thereabouts, there was another mountain experience. Namely, you will remember, as I told you, that Joash's parents and grandparents, at least his father and his grandparents on his father's side were worshipers of Baal. They were idolaters. In fact, they had taken some of the things out of the temple of the Lord and used them in the service of Baal, and the temple of God had fallen into disrepair and into shambles. And we read in chapter 24 last week that the great mountaintop experience, the great accomplishment of Joash's life was that he restored the temple, chapter 24, verse 4. Now it came about after this that Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord around the time of his 30th year. It was an amazing thing. It was a great thing that he had done. But tonight, 
As we come to the last portion of chapter 24, we find that the king, after these two great mountaintop experiences at age 7 and then at age 30, somewhere between the age of 30 and his death at the age of 47, went into another deep valley, much deeper even really than the one with which he began. And he came actually to a disastrous end, this Joash who had started out so well. Let me read to you how he finished beginning in verse 15. Now when Jehoiada reached a ripe old age, he died. He was 130 years old at his death. They buried him in the city of David among the kings because he had done well in Israel and to God and his house. But after the death of Jehoiada, the officials of Judah came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. They abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the ashram and the idols. So wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this their guilt. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord. Though they testified against them, they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came on Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus God has said, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord and do not prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has also forsaken you. So they conspired against him, and at the command of the king, they stoned him to death in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness which his father Jehoiada had shown him, but he murdered his son. And as he died, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. Now it happened at the turn of the year that the army of the Arameans came up against him, and they came to Judah and Jerusalem, destroyed all the officials of the people from among the people, and sent all their spoil to the king of Damascus. Indeed, the army of the Arameans came with a small number of men, yet the Lord delivered a very great army into their hands because they had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Thus they executed judgment on Joash. When they had departed from him, for they left him very sick, his own servants conspired against him because of the blood of the son of Jehoiada the priest and murdered him on his bed. So he died, and they buried him in the city of David, but they did not bury him in the tombs of the kings. What a horrible, tragic ending for a man who began so well. So well, God had protected him as an infant. God had kept him alive for those years when he was in hiding. God had made him king as a boy and given him a wise man, Jehoiada, his uncle, the priest, to train him, to teach him, to guide him in his leadership. God had blessed him to restore the house of the Lord and restore the sacrifices that came with it, the sacrifices that reminded the people of the forgiveness of sins and pointed them forward to the Savior who would come. So many great things happened in the life of Joash, and he finished so, so poorly. But we were given a hint that this might be coming all the way back at the beginning of chapter 24. You may remember it from last week, verses 1 and 2. Joash was seven years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. And his mother, mother's name was Zibiah from Beersheba. And here's the hint. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Isn't that interesting? It doesn't say Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord, period. It doesn't say Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all his days. It says that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. In other words, as long as Jehoiada was there, he did what was right. 
And we see the same thing in verse 14 at the end of the verse concerning Joash's people. They offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord continually all the days of Jehoiada. The house had been in disrepair. It was restored, and the sacrifices were restored with it. And the people offered burnt offerings. They offered the sacrifices continually all the days of Jehoiada. Now, why does the author of Second Chronicles bring that phrase to our attention twice, all the days of Jehoiada? What was going on here? Why did they serve God as long as Jehoiada was there? Well, evidently there was a, a father-son kind of dynamic going on between Jehoiada and Joash. Evidently, Joash was trained by this man Jehoiada. Jehoiada brought him up, it would seem. Jehoiada counseled him. Jehoiada was always there for him. He was a healthy influence. He was a godly force in this young king's life. And Joash would apparently listen to this godly old man more than he would listen to anyone else. And so, in many ways, it was a wonderful, healthy thing while it lasted. Joash had a man, Jehoiada, that he could rely on for wisdom. He had an example of character before him in this man, Jehoiada, and it benefited him as he led his people. But after the death of Jehoiada, we're told in verse 17, Joash went very quickly off the rails. And it's a sad story, but it's also a salutary story for what it has to teach us. There's something to learn from the fact that Joash did so well with Jehoiada and so poorly without him. And I want to zero in really just on two primary lessons tonight from this dynamic, from this relationship between Joash and Jehoiada. The first is simply this, that the life of Joash teaches us to praise God for wise and godly counselors. Praise God for wise and godly counselors. Remember, verse 1, Joash was seven years old when he became king. So we could see at age seven why he would need wise, godly counsel, can't we? He was seven years old. What were you doing when you were seven? You probably, when you were seven, needed someone to counsel you just to brush your teeth when you got out of bed in the morning. But Joash is the king at age seven. And not just any king of any kingdom, but he is the king of God's kingdom, the people of God. He is reigning on the throne of David. He is sitting in the place in the middle of the line of that king, David, to whom was made the promise that all the nations would be blessed, that there would someday be a king sitting on his throne who would rule forever. No ordinary kingdom. And he's there on the throne at age seven. And so, of course, he needs wise, godly counsel. And Jehoiada was there to give it, and Joash evidently was eager to listen to it. But I want you to notice that he didn't just listen when he was seven or when he was a boy or when he was a teenager, but on into his 30s at least. Into his 30s at least. We don't know exactly how old he was when Jehoiada died, but he was at least 30 because that's old when he built the temple. And so still as a, as a young man and now moving towards his middle age, he's still listening to Jehoiada. Second Kings 12 tells us that Jehoiada instructed Joash all this time. Apparently all the way up until the point of Jehoiada's death. And so the king is still listening as a young boy, as a young man, and now into his middle age, he's listening to wise and godly counsel. And what was the result of that? Well, verse 2, we read it. Joash did what was right in the sight 
of the Lord. Because of Jehoiada. So I say that this mentor-mentee relationship was a very good thing. Joash learned from childhood how to listen to those who are wiser than himself. And incidentally, children, you need to learn from childhood how to listen to those who are wiser than yourself. And parents, we need to make sure that they learn how to listen. Joash learned from childhood how to listen to those wiser than himself, and he kept right on listening into his 20s and into his 30s. It's a good skill for any of us to learn. Find people who are wiser than us, who are more godly than us, and listen. And because Joash listened, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, and the whole kingdom benefited. They were led with uprightness and justice. The temple was repaired. God was pleased. The sacrifices were being offered that reminded them of their forgiveness, that pointed them forward to the coming Messiah, and so on. The whole kingdom benefited because Joash listened to Jehoiada, and therefore Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And I think the lesson here is obvious. Men and women like Jehoiada are worth their weight in gold. And blessed is the man or woman or boy or girl who has a few Jehoidas in his or her life and who listens to them. They come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? Children, I want you to listen just very carefully for a moment because I want to say something especially to you. You don't know how fortunate you are, children, to have parents who know Jesus, parents who bring you to hear God's word. Your parents are for you like Jehoiada was to little Joash. And if you will listen to them, you will probably do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Some of us have grown up and our parents are still like Jehoiada. Some of us have parents to this day, even as adults, who are wise and godly counselors to us, and we should listen. For others of us, Jehoiada may be a spouse or a more mature Christian at church, or an accountability partner, or what have you. And of course, if we're functioning biblically as a church, our elders and our deacons ought always to be Jehoidas in the church. They ought always to be the kind of people that folks can come to and to say, he's wise, he's godly, he knows the scriptures. Let me go to him, because I know that if I go to him and I listen, chances are I'll end up doing what's right in the sight of the Lord. And the lesson, again in whatever shape they come, in whatever form they come, is that we should praise God for wise, godly counselors, and we should listen to them. Many of our sin struggles would be practically solved if we would only listen to wise, godly, biblical counsel and then act on it. Sometimes we ignore it. Sometimes we listen to the wise, godly, biblical counsel, but then we end up going and doing what we thought we should do, and it blows up in our face. But if we would listen to wise, godly, biblical counsel, if we would find those people who know better than we do and listen and act on what they teach us from God's word, how many of our problems would go away? Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, and probably we will too if we will listen to our own personal Jehoiada's, if we will listen to godly counsel. Proverbs 12 says it like this, verse 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Do you listen to counsel? In fact, let me just ask you, who is it for you? Who is your Jehoiada? 
To whom might you be listening? Or to whom might you be listening more attentively? I've asked God that as we spoke about Jehoiada, that he would very clearly show you who Jehoiada is for you, who that wise person or persons are for you. Is there any counsel that they've given you recently? Did you listen? Or have you gone ahead and done what was right in your own eyes? Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord. 2 Kings 12 verse 2 puts it like this, telling this same story. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all his days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Jehoiada instructed him. So it wasn't just a kind of casual relationship where now and again they would bump into one another and Joash would ask for a bit of counsel. But there seemed to have been an ongoing instruction happening, a more formal pattern of teaching happening so that Joash would sit and Jehoiada would sit and Jehoiada would pour wisdom into him, surely wisdom from the scriptures. He was a priest and part of his job was to know the scriptures and to teach it. And so he's sitting down with Joash when he's a boy and still when he's a young man and as he moves towards middle age and he's teaching him the scriptures. And you know what must have happened from time to time as Jehoiada came with counsel and instruction for the king? Surely from time to time, surely now and again, Jehoiada must have come to the king with counsel that the king had not solicited. Ever have that happen to you? Somebody comes to tell you, this is really what I think you ought to do, and you never ask what they thought. I'm sure that happened with Jehoiada and Joash. And I'm sure also that Joash from time to time received advice from Jehoiada that he actually didn't want to hear. Jehoiada told him things that were difficult that he was going to have to put into place. But evidently, Joash listened even then. He listened even when he didn't ask for the advice and even when it was hard advice. He listened evidently because we're told that he kept doing right all his days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Now, it's easy, is it not, to receive counsel when you've gone out and asked for it. It's easy to receive counsel when Jehoiada comes and encourages you to do what you already had in mind to do. It's easy to receive counsel then. Well, that's very good advice. You know, that's what I was thinking of anyway. That's easy counsel. But how do you respond when a godly person comes to you with a rebuke or with a correction or with accountability? Or maybe with rebuke or correction or accountability that you didn't actually ask them to bring. How do you respond when the correction is not what you wanted to hear? Do you listen to it even then? Now, I'm not suggesting that even the godliest counselors are always right in the counsel that they give. But simply saying that if they are godly, and if you will listen to what they say and apply it in your life, you will usually find yourself doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. Wise people listen to wise, godly counselors. So that's the first thing. Very simply, we should praise God for wise and godly counselors like Jehoiada, and we should listen to them and we should heed their words. But the second thing is this the story of Joash warns us to beware of following men in the place of God. Beware of following men in the place of God. Now, it may seem like these two headings of the sermon, these two halves of the sermon are in opposition to one another. On the one hand, I'm saying we should listen to counselors, 
human beings who instruct us. But now on the other hand, I'm saying we should beware of them. Beware of placing them where only God belongs. Maybe those things seem like they won't fit very well, but I hope that we'll remedy that before we finish. Beware of following men in the place of God. Now, the keynote to our first heading was found there in verse 2. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But the operative phrase in this second portion now comes from verse 17. But after the death of Jehoiada, after the death of Jehoiada, what happened? That's really the second keynote this evening. And when we lay those two verses side by side, that when Jehoiada was alive, Joash did what was right. When Jehoiada died, Joash went off the rails. When we lay those two things side by side, what we realize is that as long as Joash had Jehoiada by his side, whispering in his ear, all was well. But as soon as his counselor died, all hell broke loose, literally. As soon as Jehoiada was gone, Satan got a foothold, a strong foothold in Joash's life. He got it through a collection of wicked counselors. He got it through their flattery, which is always dangerous. We see that's what happened in verse 17. They bowed down to him. They flattered him. And by flattering Joash, they coaxed him to close up the temple that he'd worked so hard to restore. They coaxed him to shut off those sacrifices that reminded the people of their forgiveness and pointed forward to the Savior. They coaxed him to ignore other counselors who came into his life and even to kill one of them, these men who were saying exactly the same thing, same thing that Jehoiada would have been saying had he been alive. He went completely off the rails. And the question is, how did things get so bad for Joash so quickly? Well, again, we have a strong hint when we lay verse 2 and verse 17 side by side. Let me just read them one right after the other. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, but after the death of Jehoiada... Things went haywire. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? All the days of Jehoiada the priest, he did what was right, but Jehoiada died. And then what happened? What we are seeing, I believe, is that Jehoiada seems to have been for Joash more than just an advisor. Joash seems to have made his uncle his sole source of guidance, his only moral compass, the only one to whom he would listen, the only one from whom he would hear and heed the words of God. And when Jehoiada died, therefore, Joash was completely lost in the woods spiritually. It seems what the author of Second Chronicles is trying to show us is that somehow Joash's trust was in Jehoiada rather than in God. Maybe that's too strong a way to put it. Maybe it's better to say Joash trusted God through Jehoiada. Joash's faith wasn't just in God, but it was a faith that was somehow mediated through his uncle. So that when Jehoiada died, Joash was no longer willing or able to hear from God. Joash had put such a premium on Jehoiada's advice that when his uncle died, Joash was completely lost. He no longer knew how to hear from God because he had only been used to hearing from God through this one man. And what that means is that his confidence was apparently more so in Jehoiada than it was in Jehoiada's God. 
perhaps even without realizing what he was doing, Joash had made his uncle the one mediator between God and man, the one oracle by which he would hear God's voice. He began to trust in the man who spoke God's words more than the God who gave them. Now, I'm not saying that this at all was Jehoiada's fault. We're given no indication of that in this passage. All the emphasis seems to be on where Joash went wrong. So we're not saying it's Jehoiada's fault that Joash put him on a pedestal where he didn't belong. Just saying that that seems to be what happened. Joash put his uncle in between himself and God. And I'm sure Joash thought that he was a true and faithful believer. He seemed to be one. In fact, we're told that he actually did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He didn't just pretend to or seem to. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And so outwardly, everything was well. He was doing the right things. But it would seem, as we read the story, that he was doing them mostly because of Jehoiada rather than because of Jehoiada's God. Because when Jehoiada died, God was still there, wasn't he? And yet when Jehoiada died and God was still there, Joash went crazy. Joash forgot about God. Joash ceased to do right in the sight of the Lord and actually did great wickedness in the sight of the Lord. And so he must have been doing what he was doing all those years, not because God was watching, but because Jehoiada was watching. Not because he trusted God, but because he trusted Jehoiada. His faith apparently was vicarious. It was borrowed. His faith was on crutches, and he evidently didn't realize that his faith was on crutches until Jehoiada died and the crutches were pulled out from under him. Joash, if we can put it this way, was like a grown man still riding his bicycle with training wheels. Now, there's nothing, riding, nothing wrong with riding a bicycle with training wheels when you're a child. Now, some of us may disagree about that and say, oh, you should never put the training wheels on. But I think by and large, we'll agree. If you're a child, training wheels can be helpful. Nothing wrong with it. Just like there's nothing wrong with a child always looking to their parents for moral guidance. That's what kids are supposed to do. Similarly, there's nothing wrong with a new Christian constantly asking the pastor what he thinks about such and such. That's just how you learn when you are young and wobbly in the faith by relying heavily on more mature people, by using training wheels, as it were. But you can't ride with training wheels forever, can you? Eventually, they have to come off. Now, I'm not suggesting that there's a place when you stop listening to parents or pastors or other godly counselors. I'm not suggesting that there's a place where the wheels, the training wheels come off so much so that now you're completely on your own and you never listen to anyone ever again. No, that's not what I'm saying. That would completely negate the first point of this sermon, and it would ignore much of the New Testament and the book of Proverbs and what they say about listening to others. So how do we continue to listen to others? How do we continue to listen to Jehoiada without simply becoming a vicarious Christian or a mere borrower of faith? How do we do the first point of this sermon and listen to wise, godly counsel without failing in the second point of the sermon, without making that counselor an idol or an oracle or a guru, a mediator between us and God, the only one from whom we can hear the word of God? How do we listen without going too far in what we think about the counselor? How do we get to a point, not where we stop listening to counsel, but where we start doing what is right before the counselor ever has to tell us? How do we get to a point where we start finding biblical answers 
for ourselves and being able to walk on our own two feet spiritually at least a bit. How do we get to a place in our journey, in other words, where our faith really becomes our own and not just borrowed from someone who seems to be further down the road than we are and who will always answer our questions? That's what Joash never seems to have done. He never seems to have been able to make his faith truly his own. And there are a lot of people like Joash in churches, aren't there? Maybe some in our church. The classic case study is of a child growing up in a Christian home. Children, again, you should listen really carefully at this point. I told you already, kids, that you have a great privilege that you have parents who know the Lord Jesus, parents who bring you to church and and encourage you to listen even on a Wednesday night. There's so much you can and must learn from listening to your parents. But children, eventually, you're going to have to start listening to God on your own. Eventually, you're going to have to start reading the Bible for yourself. Eventually, you're going to have to start doing the right thing before mom and dad have to tell you to do it. Eventually, kids, you're going to have to start repenting of your sins without your parents being there to discipline you for them. In other words, children, you can't live the Christian life. You can't walk with God by only always waiting for your parents to tell you what to do. Eventually, you have to begin to be able to listen to God yourself and make your faith your own. Now, you should always listen to your parents, even when you're big. But you should trust God for yourself, too, and learn how to listen to him. Because if you never do that, you will go off to college or you'll finish school and you'll graduate and you'll get a job and you'll move out of your parents' home or something will happen and your mom and dad will go to be with the Lord. And where will you turn then? What will happen if you're only always listening to your parents and never learn to listen to God on your own? What will happen when you're not with your parents anymore? You may stop listening to God because you've only always listened to God through your parents. And if you stop listening to God, you may walk away from the church and you may eventually walk away from God. And we don't want that to happen, do we? And yet it happens all the time, just like it happened to Joash. Joash had an uncle who taught him and taught him well. But his uncle was gone now. And he had never learned to listen to God on his own. He'd always only listened to God by listening to his uncle. But now he couldn't listen to his uncle anymore because his uncle was gone. And he'd never learned to listen to God on his own. So who's he going to listen to? If he doesn't have his uncle to listen to and he doesn't know how to listen to God, who's he going to listen to? Well, in this case, he listened to some other men who gave him really bad advice. Some men, verse 17, who came and flattered him, who bowed down to him and appealed to all inside of him that was prideful and lustful, appealed to his sin nature. And because he had never learned to listen to God for himself... And because he could no longer listen to Jehoiada, who did he listen to? He listened to all the wrong people. And so we must learn to listen to God for ourselves, to open his word for ourselves, to make our faith our own and not always have to have it come through so-and-so. Oh, it's so important, children, that you listen to your parents, but that you learn to listen to God on your own so that when your parents aren't there, God will still be speaking and you will still be listening. But Jehoiada was no longer there. And Joash hadn't learned to listen to God, and so no one was there for him to hear except the sinners. 
Jehoiada was no longer there to rescue him, and he fell into terrible sin, and eventually he walked out on God altogether. This sounds a lot like freshman year of college, doesn't it? It sounds like the first years of independence for many church kids. They trusted what their parents said. They did what their parents said because their parents said so, but their faith never became their own. And when their parents weren't there to speak to them anymore, they had no faith to carry them through. Now, praise God, many such young people are scooped up by campus ministries and Christian co-workers and so on. But they ought not have to be scooped up, and it can be prevented. Children, if you will take hold of Jesus for yourself, you will find yourself in a place where you don't know how to hear from God because mom and dad aren't there. Take Jesus for yourself, children. Trust him for yourself, even while you're young. And parents, constantly urge them to do so. Don't make them reliant upon you, but teach them to listen to God on their own. Show them how to do it. Give them example of your own life, how to do it. And push them to trust in the Lord themselves. We could give other examples of Joash like borrowed faith, couldn't we? pastor leaves a church where he's faithfully taught the Bible for years, and it's been a good thing, but some of the people have become so attached to him that they will not hear God's word from anyone else, even when the new pastor comes and says the same things that the previous man said. They've learned, they've trained themselves to trust God through that pastor instead of learning to listen to God, whomever he may use. They're trusting in the pastor, more so perhaps than in the God whom the pastor represents. It sounds a lot like what happened to the prophets who came after Jehoiada in verses 20 through 22, doesn't it? They came along and the king closed his ears to many of them and eventually he killed one of them. But if Jehoiada would have said the very same things that his son was now preaching, Joash would have listened to him. But because these things didn't come from his uncle, they didn't come from his mediator, they didn't come from the one whose faith he had been borrowing all that years, all those years, because they didn't come from him, Joash stoned the man from whom they come, even though they were exactly what Jehoiada would have said. And people can be this way with their pastors, can't they? Is there faith in God or is it merely in Jehoiada? And what about men and women who go to church simply because their spouse wants them to? It's better than not going at all, isn't it? But is there faith in God or is it in their spouse? There are many other examples we can give, but they all funnel down into one point. Beware of following men in the place of God. Beware of making men your mediator. Beware of putting a man between you and God and thinking that you must hear God through him or through her. Just read verses 2 and 17 side by side again. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest, but after the death of Jehoiada, but after the death of Jehoiada, things fell apart. Beware of allowing that to happen to you. Beware of turning a good counselor into an idol. Beware of channeling your relationship with God through another person, no matter how godly that person may be. And remember that there is only one mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy 
And it's not Jehoiada. It's not your parents. It's not your pastor or your elders. It's not your spouse. There's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Only in him can you live vicariously. Only in him can you cast yourself completely and trust completely. Only in him can you channel your faith in God. Only he can stand between you and God as your mediator. And isn't it marvelous that God has given to us a man like that? God knows that we need counselors. God even knows that we need human counselors who've been what we're going through and have been tempted like we are and who have both walked in our shoes and walked with God in our shoes. It's so helpful to have a human being to whom we can turn. And God knows that. That's why he gives us Jehoidas in our lives. God knows that we need human help, human counselors. And he's made us that way. And he's made provision for that. And yet God also knows this. He knows that human counselors, he knows that Jehoiada cannot save us. He knows that Jehoiada cannot mediate our faith in God. He knows that Jehoiada will not always be there. and He knows that Jehoiada may well go wrong at points. And so God has taught us not to rely solely on someone like Jehoiada. Not to borrow our faith from him. But actually, God has given us one better even than Jehoiada. One mediator. The man, Christ Jesus. Do you see? God has given us a human being in whom we can put all of our trust. God has given us a man that we can rely upon fully. A man who is tempted in all things as we are. A man who knows all about our troubles. A man who sympathizes with our weaknesses. A man who has all the wisdom we could ever need. A man who has laid down for us a perfect example of how we can do what is right in the sight of the Lord. And a man who gave his life for all the times that we don't do what is right in the sight of the Lord. God has given us a man on whom we can rely, but he's given us a man who is no mere man, and therefore a man who can do what Jehoiada could never do, namely bring us to God. God has given us a man who can mediate between God and man, a man who can lay his hand upon us both, a man who can stand in between us and the Heavenly Father, a man through whom our faith may be channeled going to God. He's given us a man. And so if we are going to do what is right in the sight of the Lord, we need that man, Jesus, even more than we need Jehoiada. Yes, if the Jehoidas in our lives know and love Jesus, we can benefit greatly from them. They may be just the ones that God will use to point us to Jesus, and we would be fools not to entertain their counsel. But we would be equally fools to enshrine their counsel. To try and live on borrowed faith. To try to make those mere men the extension cords by which we think we can infallibly connect with God. There is a man through whom we may infallibly connect with God. But it's not Jehoiada. It's Jesus. And so I urge you tonight to look beyond me. To look beyond your parents' children to look beyond your spouse, to look beyond that mature Christian who has been so helpful to you, to look beyond whatever Jehoiada God has given to you and to live 
vicariously through the one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus.